Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Amir Farrow, with my co-host, Jordan Mackey, a.k.a. J-Mac, a.k.a. JMX Sports. With today's guest, we have the one and only Zach Seegers, former writer and editor for Mile High Sports, co-host of the Let's Talk Broncos Podcast, and one of the training camp goats out there, always with his uh, his threads and all the you know latest coverage of Denver Broncos training camp. Obviously, today, uh, day eight of training camp, uh, you know, uh, capped off, and the, only the media was there now no fans today but still going to be talking about you know day seven we missed that and uh plenty more to go over today as well talking about russ um our wide receivers how that's looking uh going forward um obviously you guys can tell i'm back uh from denver um i'm looking like a tomato right now that sun did not do me well at all i am throwing i'm throwing hands with the sun man that training camp hill is it's actually insane it's brutal it's like they have it pointed directly at the sun and man, at least they have the sun, like the sunblock uh, Gatorade jugs out there. These massive sunblock containers um, for all the fans to use. But um, I, I use it every day. It's like 50 SPF and I'm still getting absolutely scorched. It's it's bad. Yeah, I forgot to wear a sunscreen on the last day and I hate myself for that. It's and we're I'll just be honest. The, the fans are treated like animals out there. I swear. Like how, how do you go? <laughs> How do you see these clips of Jets training camp where you have like the clear roofed areas for the fans sitting down, just watching like it's luxurious. And then you got the Broncos fans, one of the better fan bases, in my opinion. And you got 3000 fans just sitting on a blazing hot hill. <laughs> it's absolutely like oh, we're treated man. like animals. Basically, it's it's actually kind of hilarious at this point. Well, that and this setup is pretty new. I'm, I, I don't know it off the hot, top of my head. Uh, that's a 10 year naming partnership. But the, the renovation that set up this new setup is pretty new. Fans used to be – I think the hills even man-made. I don't think it used to be there. It used to be relatively flat, and you could sit under these, like, pine trees, and you'd get some shade. Uh, it wasn't as fancy, but in, in a way, that setup was a little nicer. Um, yeah, because the field house and everything, this is a pretty new setup. I want to say in the last five, six years or so, I, I just can't believe – uh, like you said, we, even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and some of that I think is it's hotter, it's muggier there, so it, it's out of necessity some. Yeah. But you get, I actually still have one of the wristbands. You get like a wristband that you can use to get a bottle of water. <laughs> like you're out there for two hours in the boiling water. <laughs> That's not enough. Um, it, it's, man, it's brutal. A yeah, it was, yeah. It was ridiculous. Literally walking around three, four days in Denver where my legs were just stinging hot. It hurt so bad. I'm not going to lie. It's easily the worst sunburn I've had in my life. And um, it was it was oh, a good was experience. It? It, honestly, temperatures, Zach, you probably speak more on this. I don't honestly remember. But you you know the Denver, it's mile high altitude. So you're closer to the sun. It's like you're basically standing right next to an oven. Yeah, the, the sun, like when you go skiing and everything, that's, that's the snow and whatever. But yeah, at mile high altitude, you got to wear more sunblock and everything. You are closer to the sun. Um, the worst day, and it's mainly been 90s, but the worst day was, yeah. uh, shoot, I think it was the first day you were there. I mean, it was like Saturday, no, it was what, Monday or Tuesday, something like that, when it, when it rained a little the night before and there was like the humidity coming off the grass yeah. and it was still like 90 or something. And that one was, uh, that was the worst day of the bunch. Gosh, man, first day there, that was, oh my God, that was horrible. But that was a little bit of our experience uh, the last few days at uh, training camp. Um, so let's go and jump in. Yeah, let's jump into uh, the football stuff, the stuff that we actually came for, not to be uh, cooked up in the sun. But um, 
so Zach, obviously, uh, me and you were there the last uh, three days, um, you know, with all the fans and everything, kind of learning more and more about the offense and what Sean Payne's doing. Um, and then obviously the defense had some really big days, uh, you know, throughout the last three days. Um, what did you kind of learn the most uh, in these three days? And you've been here, you know, more, you know, longer than I have at training camp. So overall, like, how are you feeling about the defense, the offense? What are some of like the biggest takeaways that you've gotten from the Broncos uh, training camp recently? Yeah, I mean, general impressions, I feel good about the defense. I feel good about the run game. And I'm concerned about the other <laughs> half of the offense. Um, I feel good about the special teams, too. Um, now, I want to preface all of this with it's training camp. Like, yeah. um, and based on what I've heard reported, um, which we can get into the nitty gritties of in a second, I, I think the offense should be losing. Um, based on the way Sean Payton's running this practice and everything like some of it's understandable. And again, it is training camp. So that's prefaces all of this, but I also think I don't have to lie and say, Russell Wilson looks good. And the passing game looks good because it doesn't, it looks bad, but like, I think some of that again is by design with how Sean Payton's running things. Um, and how seriously should we all take this? Cause it's training camp. I can feel the tomatoes coming at me. Yeah, uh, J-Mac, how have you felt like from all the reports and stuff that you, uh, you've seen? What are you kind of taking away from this? Well, uh, so I, I haven't been on the pod in a minute, but uh, I just want to start off and say, man, prayers go out to Tim Patrick and Jonas Griffith, especially from what we heard today. Um, mm -hmm. Man, it was a tough break, and then we cut KJ in the same day. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, that, that day was just – it was just terrible. Uh, it, was, it was really rough. But, I mean, outside of – I mean, with that and everything else – I mean, it, it's it's not the best. I mean, you know, guys going down in the beginning of training camp, so now it's kind of everybody has to step up. And then, I mean, it's kind of like what me and you talked about is strange. Like, you know, I said when we got Sean Payton even before that, that depth is going to win you championships. And it seems like every position that we drafted has gotten injured. Linebacker Jonas Griffith, wide receiver Tim Patrick, KJ gets cut. We drafted, brought in Callaway, drafted Marvin Mims, drafted Drew Sanders. So it's looking like that we're – somewhat equipped to deal with it it's just it's kind of rough um i mean it, it's really just rough man i mean hearing russell wasn't getting picked off left and right i mean i understand like it's justin simmons and everything like that and zach may have a point it may be designed that way you know like and then again our defense is really good like we have really like crazy talent all over the defense but i mean it's not the best thing to hear your quarterback get picked off every day by this player that player i mean it, it's not the best news to hear but i mean we're just gonna have to see yeah, exactly. Um, let's go ahead and jump into everything since we already talking about it a little bit. Um, I know Zach's going to have a strong opinion about it, but how are you feeling about Russell Wilson right now compared to uh, the last time uh, we had you on the show? Obviously, in that episode, if you guys don't know, we had Zach on. We talked about the future of Russell Wilson. There was a lot of debate going around if the Broncos should cut Russell Wilson um, after just that one season. Um, how are you feeling uh, right now as opposed to last year with all the talent that they brought in, Sean Payne brought in, but then also four interceptions in those three days uh, that we were at camp. Um, should the fans start hitting the panic button? I mean, I don't think you should be panicking off of camp. I'd say you should reside in whatever camp you've been residing in going into camp. If you're a little scared about Russell Wilson's future and that big contract, um, which by the way, I stand by that take. Uh, uh, my, uh, Russell Wilson has the third highest cap hit of any NFL quarterback fully guaranteed in 2025, well, it becomes fully guaranteed 
four days after this current league year ends. So if you don't want Russell Wilson, if you don't think Russell Wilson deserves to be the third highest paid quarterback in 2025, and that's going to require some projection and, and, and for that money to be fully guaranteed, then maybe the Broncos should cut him after this season. Just something to keep uh, for all of us to keep in the back of our heads as we watch this season unfold. Do we think based on his current, maybe career trajectory, he should be the third highest paid quarterback in 2025. Um, but yeah, training camp shouldn't change anyone's opinion right now. It, it hasn't looked good. So if you're concerned, I'd stay in that camp, but it's training camp. Um, and, and I do think, so what I was alluding to earlier, Sean Payton has uh, talked about Nick, Co- Nick Cosminder, uh, shared this on yesterday's let's talk Broncos. Um, uh, it was the first I had heard of it. Um, Sean Payton has discussed how defensively, or I guess he's not calling plays right now with the offense to beat the defense. If anything, he's trying to set up the defense to beat the offense because he's trying to see with certain play calls and certain, um, looks that are not advantageous. If we're like, I'll, I'll oversimplify here because I don't know the specifics, but like this is a great play against a, a middle field open look. I'm going to have the defense in middle field closed. You know, this is great. And then vice versa. That just some confusing looks. Does this play and can this off what members of this offense and what aspects of this play can persevere and, and can make things right when everything is going wrong? is how is kind of what Sean Payton is looking at. That's how it was described to me. Yeah. Um, sorry, go. I was going to say that episode with uh, Nick Cosmider is a really good one. You guys should check that out if you haven't already. Um, really smart uh, guy and re- a lot of great analysis in that episode. And the one thing that you already touched on a little bit was I, I like how Sean Payne's kind of putting his offenses. It's weird to say this, but putting his offense in a bad position to see how they react to a really, really top-tier defense and see how Russell Wilson reacts to it right now and kind of get these hiccups out of the way. So he's already prepared for any situations that uh, do you know come avail week one or throughout the season so um i actually like a lot what they're doing um obviously the passes though they're they're off target and i don't know if that's really like a a thing where that's kind of champagne putting putting russ in a bad like zach you're in there in person like you know russ was not these passes were not good so i don't know if that's a a factor of just sean putting him in a bad position that's just a bad throw yeah well so every quarterback i think has their superpowers you know, like like Peyton Manning, it was, you know, his arm, of course, and uh, his unbelievable understanding of the game and everything, right? Like that that was his thing. It, it was not mobility. It was not um, early on, at least, like uh, staying away from turnovers, maybe being safe with the ball. Um, Russell Wilson's superpowers have always been uh, his ability to extend plays um, and his remarkable accuracy. Um, last year we saw that accuracy decline and we thought it was the shoulder injury. Uh, I thought that was a, honestly a logical explanation for that. It wasn't something I was too concerned about when I was putting out my anti, uh, Wilson <laughs> manifestos. Um, but he has not been accurate throughout camp. Um, the, for as pretty and as accurate as the throw that, um, you posted Amir, yeah. uh, was, and I mean, I'm trying to cover us fairly. That was a perfect throw. That was a like perfect play. The the window he could fit that into was the size of a mailbox and he put it perfectly there downfield. Pats Rattan, perfect coverage, just a better play by Russ and Sutton. I mean, man, t- 10 out of 10. I cannot gush enough about that throw. For yeah. as good as that one was, his interception the next day was bad. 
Um, I forget if it was into double or triple coverage, honestly, but I just remember there was a mob of orange jerseys. Um, it, it was a poor decision for starters and then very inaccurate. It was a couple yards too far ahead of Sutton and then a couple few yards too far inbounds, which you can't do what he was doing. It's like cover two hole shot. You're trying to loft it up over the hanging corner and, uh, uh, towards the boundary away from the, uh, over the top safety. I, I mean, he got it away from the hanging corner, but he threw it right to the center of the field. That's such an easy interception for Justin Simmons to make. It was so far away from Cortland Sutton that Cortland Sutton couldn't even touch Justin Simmons as Justin Simmons made the interception and started returning it the other way. Um, just all these interceptions have been, there's been a lot of poor ball placement. Uh, and for his other superpower, the escapability thing, that's going to decline with age. And when that declines with age, can he survive holding onto the ball for, you know, longer than most any quarterback in the league? Yeah, that's a big issue. I actually saw like the first day he was holding on the ball way too long. And then there was another play. I think it was literally yesterday where he was just holding on to the ball and everybody in the, in the crowd is like, Russ, what are you doing, Russ? And he just kind of looks around his offensive lineman and just chucks it up to uh, Tony Jones or Tyler Beatty. It's like, what are you doing? You're not really going through your re reads or anything. You're just kind of, I don't know, maybe throw it away or whatever it was. And then obviously it was way behind the line of scrimmage. So that's a big negative. So it's it just feels, like really questionable. It feels like deer in headlights. Like I just, I don't know. I, I've seen worse training camps from Broncos quarterbacks and, and projected Broncos starting quarterbacks. Absolutely. Specifically in terms of, getting rid of the ball. I have not seen a worse camp from a Broncos starting quarterback. I mean, even last year. And I think some of that was, it was the Russell Wilson offense. Like all the, every NFL off more or less, every NFL offense has more or less the same place. It's just like, what rate, like, what are you majoring in? What's your primary philosophies and, and whatnot. And so it was a hybridized Wilson Hackett version, but he was running a lot of the stuff he was doing in Seattle. He brought over Seattle's empty package with him. And that was the Broncos empty package last year. So he knew a lot of that stuff very intimately. So I, I don't think he had a problem getting rid of the ball and launching it all over the place in camp. I think some of this, the new offense and everything. Now he, it's the first time he's really been, I think in a truly new offense since he was a rookie in Seattle. Um, but man, like uh, it's a lot of holding the ball and then tucking and running late and, and tucking and running in ways that I don't know if they're going to be productive in an NFL game. Some of them totally are. Some of them are good scrambles, but a lot of them, he had one yesterday where he's rolling out right and waiting, patting the ball, patting the ball, Zach Allen's chasing him. And then he finally decides to tuck and run. If Zach Allen's playing for the Las Vegas Raiders, he's not jogging behind Russell Wilson like this. He's sprinting after Russell Wilson and trying to kill him. And that's a sack. Maybe if Russell Wilson's lucky, like a one yard gain. In training camp, that's like a seven yard gain. And he's relying a lot on those weird seven yard gains. That's what's scaring me right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't there, so I, I I don't know, you know, what exactly was happening. It doesn't sound like it was too good, but um, I'm last year part of my problem with Russ was I, I didn't really have too much of a problem with him. It was just a few games that I was just like, man, Russ, what the kind of like, you know, the hell are you doing? Um, 
and that was his reads, and that was some of his decision-making down the field. You kind of see it in the Colts game, in the Rams game. Just those are kind of the two games that kind of stuck out to me. Like, yeah, this Russ was – he was awful. Like, missing reads, throwing the ball. Very similar to what you said, like, to Corlin Sutton down the field, and Corlin Sutton wasn't nowhere near the ball, and the Colts safety picked it. Sounds just like what you said about Justin Simmons. In the Rams game, kind of just throwing the ball up to Corlin Sutton, getting it picked, throwing, a, throwing the ball kind of all across the field and just getting picked, bad decisions. I think um, it's a lot more to it than just that. I mean, I'm not gonna disagree with like I'm not gonna disagree when you said it was the worst camp you ever seen. I mean, it probably is. I mean, no, based not on the what worst. You, just in that one aspect. Yeah, I want to like, be clear. Okay. Like, I think there were worse. From, like, I don't think Keenum was very good. I mean, he was okay. Block was pretty rough in camp. I think like the first Pat Shermer year. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say it's the worst camp. He's had some good things, okay. but in terms of holding on to the ball. I think okay. it's been bad. Yeah, I think in the, the thing about Russ is if you look at his whole career, though, that's kind of always been an issue. It's just that his talent is kind of build him out. Like in Seattle, everybody's like, is the line really that bad? Or is just Russ just holding on to the football a really, really, really long time? And I think Sean Payton is – I think the approach kind of has to be a let's get Russ on the move early. Let's not put him in the shotgun because, I mean, in training camp, I mean, if he's just sitting around in the pocket, Russ is – Russ is usually the guy where he wants to – he moves with the ball, scans, and then makes the throw. But I don't know. It just seems like ever since they make Russ try to sit back and scan the field and make decisions that way, it just hasn't – it hasn't really worked, and I don't think it will. I think this year has to be primarily – if you're going to do that, it needs to be quick, like Peyton Manning, uh, nickel and dime, uh, quick passes, catch four yards, catch six yards, like just stop routes, easy routes like that for him. Because if you try to run anything complex with Russ – um, him in the shotgun, I don't think it's, it's not going to bode as well as you think it is. Well, and I think part of it is last year's offense was really bad, you yeah. know, um, and they could never punish defenses for the defense could play whatever way it wanted. Pretty yeah. much. That's when true. you go against the Chiefs, you can't necessarily do that. We talk about all the too high stuff against Patrick Mahomes and, you know, kind of like putting an umbrella over the offense and, like you can totally try to do that, but now that they kind of figured out this Isaiah Pacheco thing, they've got that good offensive line. They can run the ball pretty well against those soft defensive shells. They're going to start forcing teams to give them some of those downfield looks. Now, Patrick Mahomes is so scary. Teams might just never go out of the two eye shell, but if they're not, the chiefs can legitimately punish them for that. The Broncos could not do that last year. Teams yeah, could sit in those anti-Russell Wilson coverages all day long, and that Nathaniel Hackett run game was not going to punish them for it. I think Sean yeah. Payton's run game will. And, man, we got to see J- Javante Williams do it in, like, real contact in the preseason and then in the regular season. I can't believe how good he looks out there. Yeah, he's nah, moving yeah. great, and I'm happy about that. Yeah, me and Amir talk about how insane that is. But, I mean, you know, you're right. I, I think that – Last year's offense, last year's offense couldn't get anything. I mean, we're just being honest. Nobody was getting open. Passes were dropped. Balls were terribly placed. I mean, it just wasn't – last year wasn't good at all. But I think this year – I mean, if, if Sean Payton is doing what y'all say he's doing and is make is like kind of rigging it to make the defense win, to put the offense in kind of impossible situations, then I like that because I feel like last year that was what we were in the whole season and we didn't know what to do with it. And I feel like in camp going against a great defense like ours, I think it's going to be – I think it should work, but I honestly, I don't think Russ. It's just, it's always a question now with Tim Patrick out and KJ KJ likely gone forever. 
like I'm saying in terms of like being a Bronco, I mean, it's tough. Man. I mean, it's a huge setback. Like, I don't know, man. We're just gonna have to see. I mean, maybe I'm glad we caught it early. We have a better coaching staff, so we can try to rebound from it. But I mean, Tim Patrick losing him again, man, it, it's another huge loss because I mean he was a big part of the reason. He was a big reason why we didn't go after any really like any crazy wide receivers this offseason. Any of the guys that were first hit the market. I mean, no, I, I, I'm 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 lying because I, I think we went after Alan Lazard, didn't we? Yeah, and Adam Thielen too. Yeah, I mean, just now it's looking like we probably should have got those guys, but you know, <laughs> it's man, it, it, it's it's tough, man. It's also like very unfortunately reminiscent of last year, and especially if you're at camp, like right after Tim Patrick gets hurt, like they go in eleven on elevens, and Russ is just like chucking a a dot like downfield to double coverage with Justin Simmons. Like literally, you all the fans could tell the interception was going to happen like five seconds before it happened. Like that was that bad of a throw. So it's like right after t- uh, Tim Patrick gets hurt, you could tell there's like a and like a different type of rhythm, and you know Russell just doesn't look the same, and um, yep. it's unfortunate and um but i like this nick cosmider was saying i like that he's like sean Payne's putting him in these like shotgun packages to see what russ can do and see if he can try to work around some of these um these mishaps but at the end of the day i couldn't agree more with you guys i feel like he's just not a good pocket passer like you're gonna have to make russell wilson an off script quarterback if this is going to be a, a successful passing offense at least yeah, yeah and i mean uh, I was gonna say, and man, just 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 look at Seattle. Like, not just the highlights. Look at the games, like the big games that he played in. Russ was never, like, Russ was. I mean, I, I don't want to just throw this. I mean, he he threw an interception to lose a Super Bowl, playing in the pocket, not making a great decision with the ball. I'm not saying that's all on him, but I mean, it's just what it is. I mean, you look at his game. He's just never been like that's never been his niche. That's never been his superpower. Like Zach said, it's never been just his thing. Just to stand, he's not Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, like. I mean, Russ's, Russ's accuracy is great, but that's not what he's made of. Like, he's made to move, throw on the move, throw towards the sidelines. I mean, I think Sean Payton knows that, though. I mean, I've, we've heard him say it before. Mm-hmm. I heard, I, I watched the interview with him on the herd. I mean, everything he said. I mean, I don't, I don't believe he he's gonna do that to Russ. I think it's gonna be more of a run style offense, short yardage, play action. I don't think it's, I don't think we're gonna see a lot of shotgun, and I'm actually glad for that, man, because yeah. we see that. We're not gonna win anything. Like we're not gonna win a lot with that, with that offense, especially without Tim Patrick, because it's, it's really no, like what that's Russ's safety blanket. It's not that much structure anymore. Like you said, as soon as Tim Patrick went out, he just started chunking balls to sudden chunking balls over here and over there. I don't know why, but I he I guess he I don't know. I guess he just loves he loves Tim Patrick, man. It's it's kind of weird, but <laughs> I think well I yeah the Tim Patrick thing I do think is a loss on that aspect, and I'm I'm gutted for Tim. Um, yeah. But I think the Broncos are in a, a much better situation to survive this this year yeah. than they've been in the past. Like n- not just last year, but um, in 2020 when Sutton went down. Well, the Sutton and Judy. Judy had that high ankle sprain where he missed yeah. a ton of time, and even when he came back, he was not 100. Yeah. percent um, uh, They're in a much better position to survive it this season. Uh, again, just with Sean Payton's coaching, like he can guide you through some of those uh, disasters. And this offense is going to run a lot more 22 stuff. Um, A lot, sorry, not 22, but a lot more 12, a lot more 21, um, a lot of like 13 personnel, lots of tight ends, lots of running backs on the field or like a running back and a fullback on the field. Um, Which means you'll often have two receivers on the field and, 
you still feel good, really good about the Broncos <laughs> two receivers. Yeah, you've also got Greg Dulcich, who I think is a great uh, receiving option. I won't be surprised um, if we see Sean Payton use him some to replace some of that Tim Patrick stuff. Uh, you know, we can put one in the wide receiver bucket and one in the tight end bucket. Um, I see two really strong, mobile, fluid pass catchers that can high point a ball well and come down with it and be great red zone assets. And we talk about Greg Dulcich maybe having some deficiencies as a blocker when we talk about him <laughs> at the tight end. Call him a wide receiver. He's an awesome blocker, you know, and, and this team wants to run the ball a lot. Tim Patrick was their best blocking wide receiver. Yeah. So now maybe sometimes you just use Greg Dulcich as that blocking wide receiver um, because you still have to respect him as his receiving threat. Sean Payton mm-hmm. is a guy who can uh, uh, implement those solutions in a way that Hackett uh, couldn't. Um, and then also Brandon Johnson is back and healthy. People should not be underrating that because Sean Payton didn't add the guy. Oh, goodness, I hit my lamp. Sean Payton didn't add the guy last offseason. And uh, still, when Tim Patrick went down, who was the first guy he turned to? Brandon Johnson. Um, Marcus Callaway is also in a dogfight for that third spot. Callaway looks great. Um, Lil Jordan Humphrey, I think, has had some good moments in camp. Kendall Hinton hasn't been good on special teams, but he has been good on offense. Um, He's like a couple muffs one day, but relative to who he's competing with, that stands out. Um, so yeah, I, I, plus they should be more run heavy. I, I more feel terrible for Tim Patrick. I think the Broncos should be okay, and and of course losing him hurts them. They're they're not, in, but I think they can survive that injury. I'm more worried about like what this means for Tim Patrick's career. And, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was it for me. Like when I first heard it, like I knew that we could kind of rebound from it. Um, but I was just like, man, like this is tough. I mean, an ACL in a uh, Achilles it reminds me of Demarcus Cousins when Boogie uh, when Boogie tore his ACL, came back, and I think didn't I don't know. I think Clay did that too. Clay did the same thing. I think. I think his, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think he tore his ACL and then tore his Achilles, and Boogie did the same thing. Not Tim Patrick. It's just like, I mean, those guys. Clay kind of came back the same, but they're basketball, football. I mean, everything's about coming off the release for a receiver, especially. I mean, it's t- oh man, I I hated to hear that, man. Like that was just and Achilles is that's that's kind of one of the worst things you can get though. Like in terms of like for a wide receiver, that's one of the worst things that you can injure. Yeah, so we already talked a little bit about you know replacing. Obviously, you can't replace a guy like Tim Patrick, but you can only schematically look how you can refill that that spot. I know we heard a little bit about him potentially being a slot guy for the Broncos this year. Um, so it looks like they're looking at Brandon Johnson. He's played really, really well. Um, there's other some. There's also some guys at the bottom of the depth chart. Montre Washington's been playing well. Taylor Grimes has been playing well. Um, what do you think about Jalen Virgil though? Because this is one guy I think is like he obviously made the roster last year and had some moments. His first catch was like a 60 something yard touchdown against the Titans. But this camp, he's just gone really quiet. I didn't, I hadn't seen him get involved at all. Uh, it seems like Taylor Grimes, Montreal Washington and Brandon Johnson have all outshined him. What do you think about Jalen Virgil and what he could potentially be for the Broncos? Cause he has a lot of speed and like twitchiness, but it just seems like he's kind of getting outshadowed right now. Yeah, no, and I think that's a great point. Um, he's definitely in the running. Taylor Grimes, too. I thought he looked kind of twitched up yesterday. Um, but but Jalen Virgil uh, made Bruce Feldman's freaks list uh, three or four years while in college. I, I think it was four, but it was definitely at least three. Um, 
Feldman, for people who don't know, is the athletics college football analyst. And every year he puts out a list of the 25 freakiest athletes in college football. Um, I wrote an article about this. I don't think anyone's made the list as much as Jalen Virgil, or there's like a, a small handful of people that have. Um, he was consistently like top 10 on that list, top five. He never finished first, but not only was he on it, but he ranked very highly uh, because of his rare combination of being an insane sprinter, um, having very great vertical ability, and also being an insane weightlifter. Um, uh, I, I love him as a vertical burning option for the Broncos. Uh, I really want to see it in preseason. Um, he is, I think the best replacement to that, like KJ Hamler field stretching ability. He doesn't have the KJ Hamler, I think short area burst that jitterbug nature, but like take the top off a of defense is something he can absolutely do. We saw it last year in a real regular season game. Um, so yeah, I definitely keep an eye on him. Uh, but to your point, it's a crowded wide receiver room. Like he's got to <laughs> battle with some guys. I, I feel pretty confident on, uh, who the first four are. Um, you know, you've got, uh, Sutton, Judy, uh, Callaway Johnson, and, and that's as it stands now preseason, all this could change things. Um, but that battle between Virgil Hinton, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Montreal Washington, and Taylor Grimes is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I was going to say, man, uh, Jalen Virgil, he actually ran track. So you, that that just goes to show how crazy he is. I mean, we saw a little bit of it last season. I think it's possible that um, – I think he should make the team. I think as far as the replacement for KJ goes, that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel like he's kind of the dream. I don't think Montreal is there yet as a receiver, like that he can step up and kind of take that role. Um, but I think Jalen Virgil could – like possibly do I mean it's just kind of tough man because I think Marvin Mims is kind of perfect like I feel like the with Tim Patrick going down especially I feel like he's just gonna be he kind of has to be the next man up and be the guy that can take most of these targets and receptions and be kind of the perfect slot but I think Jalen Virgil can be pretty good too yeah, Montreal and Taylor Grimes have been easily the most surprising receivers in camp to me. They made play after play, um, just getting up a lot of speed. Uh, Montreal isn't there like in terms of just being a polished receiver, but uh, what do you kind of think about that, Zach? So I actually wanted to ask you, how much like do you believe in Montreal, Washington, I guess? Because that's <laughs> my thing. Like he, Because I'm with you. He's looking awesome in training camp. But I've got some trauma from last year because last year I yeah. felt like I was leading the Montreal Washington charge going, this guy's awesome. I'm buying Montreal Washington stock. This guy's great. And then the season started and I was like wanting to bury my face. Yeah, it's so interesting because training camp is training camp at the end of the day. Like we we have to see in-game action and preseason is going to be a much big more determination for these a lot of these wide receivers in the back half of the depth chart. Um like you said, in in season, Montreal had his moments, but he was a rookie after all. Um, you know, coming up from the the conference he played in to the NFL was definitely a transition for him. But like he has had his moments. Like he's just like Devon Key absolutely burning him on that 70 yard touchdown to Danucci. That was easily the best play I saw in the three days I was there. Um, hell of a play, hell of a post route. Um, but at the same time, like you gotta see him in game. 
Um, and we'll we'll see how he looks from there because it's just much more different compared to camp, in my opinion. Um, we had we've had episodes where we've kind of projected the depth chart, and I don't think Montreal was anywhere close to making mine, but he has surprised me at camp. I'm not gonna lie. Like I didn't I thought Jalen Virgil, Kendall Hinton, Lil Jordan, like all those guys would outshine him. But at the same time, like you you've seen like the them working on special teams and stuff, and it looks like nobody's coming close to as as good as he is at the returning position, in my opinion. Like we still have to see it like the all all players out there on the field in the return game. But what I've seen from Montreal, I'm not as confident in anybody else as I am with him at returner. So it's like at some point, and Sarah Benjamin's talk about this, it's like if he's at least good enough as a wide receiver, but he's the best returner on our roster, it's like, and he's our fifth round pick from last year, does he just make the roster because of that? I don't think so. I don't think Peyton cares about, you know, the draft pedigree. Like, look at Brandon Johnson, <laughs> you know, undrafted guy, yeah, former regime, and just he's the next guy up from Tim Patrick. Um, ahead of Marquez Callaway, who we'd characterize as a Sean Payton guy. Little Jordan Humphrey hasn't – Kendall Hinton's getting the looks ahead of Little Jordan Humphrey um, and even like Marvin Mims, uh, who I think we'd characterize as quote-unquote Sean Payton guys. And that is lovely to see. I, I want to see that from my head coach. If I see him not favoring his guys, I feel more confident we're getting the best uh, players on the field come Sunday. Um now, further to that point, I definitely don't think Sean Payton's favoring Nathaniel Hackett's guys or Dwayne Stooks's guys. Um, but yeah, Montreal Washington has looked good. Um, I think George Payton would like Montreal on the roster because that would help his uh, resume, resume. job security. But I think Sean Payton will be making that decision ultimately. Yeah. Um, as shown in that Jarrett Bell article, like that clarified who wears the pants in that relationship. Um, so yeah, I, I think Montreal Washington has a chance. Like right now I'd put him above Taylor Grimes. I put him above Nick Williams. I put him above Michael Bandy, but that's about it. I'd put the other one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys ahead of him. So it's possible. I put him at ninth right now. Preseason, I think will be huge for Montreal because everyone knows he was great last training camp. Like, let's start seeing it in games, even if it's preseason games, and then I think you can start making waves. Exactly. Um, real quick, so one guy I haven't heard anything about, and y'all two were there. I don't know if he was there or what happened. What's uh, what's going on with Tremont Smith? Tremont Smith? I mean, I didn't really see him make any plays, to be honest, but he's obviously – I saw him, you know, with working on special teams, and he was a big part of that. Um, but I didn't really see him make much plays at all. I would but have to go back. He's not returning, is he? I just so read, he's like, what was it? He's not returning, is he? He should be. So yeah, that's the thing. That actually is a really good point. He was not working at all with the returners. He just like kind of like coverage. That's, yeah, he yeah, was just in coverage. Yeah, because um, because because I saw like everybody was just basically, you know, kept saying that uh, Montreal Washington, Kendall Hinton. I'm like, where's Tremont Smith? I thought that was kind of the main reason we brought him yeah. in. Yeah, like that's was a really kinda, good point. Yeah, like was to kind of yeah. be a return they, man. They put Jaleel McLaughlin out there before they yeah, did Tremont like, Smith. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was like, what? Like, I'm, I'm pretty – I don't know. Like, maybe, like, maybe Sean Payton is just hiding him for now. I don't know. I, may, may, maybe Sean Payton wants to see what he's going to get out of everybody else because, it, I don't know, I guess maybe he thinks he already knows he's going to get out of Tremont. But, I mean, it's weird not to have him out there as retirement on training camp because, I mean, being real, like, as a corner, it's going to be really hard for him to even get playing time at, as a corner on the team, especially Raleigh Moss, Adam Fabian Monroe. It's going to be really tough. 
Like we're talking imagine. about like six six string corner at best. Like that's gonna be really tough. Imagine yeah. he just like comes out and is a starter week one with like no reps or anything. <laughs> talking about uh, as retirement. No, like I was thinking about it because I'm like maybe like I'm thinking man Montreal could be one of those surprise cuts. I mean because I mean it's special teams mm. return man. I mean they brought in Tremont for a reason. I feel like I mean. And it was pretty early we brought him on, too. It wasn't, you know, like, he's not a guy you go fish out early in free agency. He's True. not, like, one of the like the high-profile guys that you go get kind of early. And, yeah, we got Tremont Smith. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's a guy you kind of sign closer to when the season starts. And we went out and got him kind of early. I mean, I know I think it was a, I think it was a one-year deal, but, I mean, it's just weird. Like, it's, it, it's weird. Deal. It's a two Like, it's even weirder, like, to sign him for two years mm-hmm. and then he's not getting anything in, in camp. It's kind of weird. Now, it's been in a really small sample size, but I think the most impressive returner I saw was Marquez Callaway. And, and that's a guy who could make all of these guys sweat because no NFL team wants exactly no NFL team wants a dedicated returner roster spot. Marquez yeah. Callaway would definitely be a wide receiver slash returner. And if Brandon Johnson steps up, if some of these other guys step up at wide receiver, Marvin Mims, Kendall Hinton, um, maybe even Montreal Washington stepping up as a wide receiver. Uh it makes it uh, it makes you a lot le- lot less worried about exposing uh, Callaway to that extra injury, and he's already returned punts for Sean Payton in the or uh, been a returner for Sean Payton in the past and was successful at it. It's so weird because we I hardly saw Callaway get any work at returner, both uh, kicking and punting. So just that be, one session, yeah, literally that one session. That was I was honestly surprised to see him out there. Um, and then uh, another big surprise when they put Brandon Johnson over him. Uh, in the offense, but I, I could see it, you know, being him being in the slot. But um, it's just interesting the way that he's doing things in camp. Uh, he is doing like, like a lot of rotating stuff, but um, we'll see how it looks in preseason. Yeah, and it's hard to figure out. Sorry, it's hard to figure out how Tremont Smith even gets on this roster looking at the cornerback room. Yeah, like, like I didn't think they brought him to be a corner. I thought that he could maybe be if like guys go down, maybe fill in, but. I thought they just brought him in to compete with Montreal, and it seems like they're making everybody else but him compete with Montreal. Because right now, K1's ahead of him. Obviously, so just guys that yeah. are ahead of him. Obviously, Pat. Obviously, Damari. Obviously, K1. Riley. Uh, Riley, obviously. Uh, McMillian. Jaquan McMillian's been really good in camp. Um, he's ahead of him. He's also got corner safety versatility, which is a plus. Uh, mm-hmm. Fabian Moreau, who they just signed, is ahead of him. Yeah, so um, he's – And yeah, then so- Dane Bassey's ahead of him. So he's the eighth guy, and they yeah, made right. keep six. And then Fayon Hicks is like probably neck and neck with him. It's and they've got a crowded safety room too, where they might have an extra safety, which might make cornerback a little slim. They already have four like four really, really, really good safeties. So it's like, I mean, in four safeties is what you kind of run. If you know you switch out four safeties, you don't really switch out five, six safeties like that. So, but they might want to keep JL Skinner, you know. So then you have oh five yeah, I forgot safeties. about yeah five safety. I forgot about Skinner. Mm-hmm. Too. But now he might get cut too. I, I don't think you were wrong to say the four safety thing, but like that's where the math gets tricky. Like, are you going to have five safeties and seven corners? <laughs> Almost definitely not. Like, uh, so I don't know. Yeah. I, it didn't even click to me that like, I had just been so zeroed in on the thread. I'm glad you mentioned that Tremont Smith question. Cause it hadn't even, hadn't even clicked for me that he wasn't returning, but that's actually huge. It's kind of hard to imagine him making the roster without that. Yeah, like it's just kind of like, why? Like you know what I'm saying? Like why? Why would it be on the team? But um, a question, a question I did have for you guys real quick. Um, if you guys had to pick a wide receiver four and five, like you know the the two after, 
um, Sudden, Judy, and Mims, who would they be? Like right now, if you had to pick the the those two, like the four and five, who would you guys want it to be? Well, so I th- I think Mims is probably closer to the five. I, after those three, I would again say Brandon Johnson and Marquez Callaway. Callaway's looked great to me. Brandon Johnson has, I think, looked really good in practice the last two years. We just need to see him do it in real games because uh, of his unfortunate injury timing last year. And then after that, I'd say little Jordan Humphrey. And then after that, I like some recency bias, bias here for sure. But after that, I might go Taylor Grimes. Taylor Grimes was awesome yesterday. Um, it has been strong. Uh, the day before that, he blew up. Who did he blow up in the run? Might have been uh, – it wasn't Drew Sanders. It was uh, – I think it was a corner, like a millionaire. I forget who, but he pancaked a guy um, oh, run man. blocking the day before, which I was like, all right, Taylor Grimes, get after it. Dude, he is a sleeper. He really is. Like, I honestly – I would prefer him over probably Montreux. I would de- – actually, I would definitely prefer him over Montreux, wide receiver. Um I want to come back to the, the Tremont Smith thing for a little bit minute. Um, and then, by the way, I agree with Zach on his, his wide receivers. Um, but I want to come back and say that he does bring slot versatility and just get him giving him that two-year deal. They know his special team's uh, worth and his ability on that in coverage and all that. I really feel like he is he is going to make the roster, and they do have a spot for him in that depth no, chart. Um, right. Yeah, I, I just feel like it, it would be very, very shocking if he actually doesn't make the roster, let alone practice squad. Um, I, I have probably more faith in him than probably saying Bassey. That's probably a hot take, but yeah, um, I, I, w- I would put him probably there as like that versatile nickel slash outside corner slash special teamer. So I agree there, and then the contract – to your point, I was underrating the contract. That's five mil over two with two point five guaranteed. Yeah, they're probably not cutting that. Um, what would it be? Yeah, they're eating all that dead cap um, if they cut him. Now they would only be taking on seven hundred thousand extra dollars, but um, I don't know. That's it'd be surprising if they cut him. To your point. That said, and I trust him over Sang Bassey too. I do not have a very high opinion over Sang Bassey. Sang Bassey is the first um, uh, guy up after uh, K1. K1. And then after um, him, it's Caden Stearns in that spot getting dropped down. And then so after wait. them, it's uh, wait, I think I have this noted somewhere. After them, it's no, just those three. Oh, no. And so then Tremont. See- Tremont after this. Do you see Jaquan as like more of an outside guy? Yes, Jaquan. Right now, I've got it. Um, the boundaries, boundary rotation. Um, I shouldn't say it that way. Um, on the main field, the boundary corners I have seen, which is the only guys playing against Russell Wilson. We've, Russell Wilson is only on the main field. Justin Simmons is only on the main field. All right. Um, the guys on the main field I've seen are uh, Damari Mathis and Patrick Sertan, obviously. And then even before his injury, the next ones up were um, uh, McMillian and Tremont. So I was underrating him on that death chart run through. Um, and then it was Riley Moss in that third unit. 
Yeah. And then, by the way, we haven't talked about this. That whole, I think it was a, I can't remember exactly what it was, but Riley Moss went through some kind of procedure with a sports hernia. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but um, that's kind of unfortunate because I was really looking forward to see what we could do at camp. I still haven't been able to see like anything of him uh, at OTAs or anything like that. So um, I'm interested to see what he can do. Um, and they're saying it's four weeks. So I don't even think we're going to get to see him in uh, preseason. No, we won't. And and that's going to hurt, I think, his ability to help the team this season. You know, hopefully we're wrong. I was saying the same thing about Greg Dulcich last year, and then Dulcich was awesome. Uh, but uh, cornerback is a hard, hard, hard position to play. I think yeah. these reps are very valuable for rookies to at least kind of get acclimated. Um, you're not getting thrown right into the fire whenever you're uh, playing. Um, and then also Damari Mathis, I think he's had a really good camp. Uh so I, I I don't know if we're going to see that huge impact from him this year. It might be more next year that we uh, start. And then, it, again, another year of Vance Joseph, that might be when we start to see it take hold. Okay. Yeah, I was going to – so the, the, the last question I actually have um, for you – I mean, you guys went to camp. So um, what, I want to know what you guys really saw to Chris, uh, Chris Allen and Jonathan Cooper because I saw that those guys are really doing well and Frank Clark was kind of with them and stuff like that. I mean, what did you guys see? Um, you can go ahead. Sorry, Amir. <laughs> uh, I, Christopher Allen, I haven't seen much from, honestly. Um, Jonathan Cooper has been awesome. I think, uh, I forget if it's actually, it's, uh, Henry Chisholm with the NBR has been shouting him out and I fully agree with him. Uh, he's been terrific. And then Nick Benito ha- uh, was a standout player on Saturday. Um, some of that makes me a little concerned about Garrett Bowles cause he was, whooping Garrett Bowles. Like he turned Garrett Bowles into a human turnstile for a day. Um, And that makes me excited about Benito, but also a little worried about Garrett Bowles. I, I have to show you the stuff that I saw in Bulls the previous day, though, because he lo- I was really confident what he was doing. There was multiple plays. I think it's even the play that I posted from the um the the, the dime to Cortland Sutton. There was a play where Zach Allen's rushing like full force. Then there comes, I think it was Benito or someone. Um, he picks up both both blockers and just like manhandles them. It was really, really cool to see. Um, you talked about uh, Chris Allen, J-Mac. Um, I think his get-off is really, really good. He's shown that uh, really, really well in camp. Um, there was a play where I actually like laughed uh, out loud because he like completely flattened Montreal in a uh, pass bro. Uh, Montreal <laughs> comes over on like a sweep and he just destroys him. It was actually hilarious just seeing him like do somersaults. But um, Chris sounds a big guy, man. He, he looks like he's almost like the same size as uh, Randy Gregory out there. So um, that's good to see. I don't know if I'm too confident that he's going to like, I, I haven't looked too much at like what, what are uh, specific edge rushers and the amount that we're going to carry, but I don't really think he's going to make the roster, but there's a possibility, I guess. Shoot. I don't know if Browning's taking up a roster spot or not um, to start on the PUP list. I guess he's not, but I don't know when he's going to come off that in regard to like the final 53. But Gregory's going to make it over him. Clark is. Cooper is. Benito is. But it could get interesting around there, like that Aaron Patrick, Christopher Allen. Marcus Haynes has had some good practices. Um, Yeah. And then uh, uh, Thomas Incombe. That'll be an interesting battle for maybe that last spot. 
Yeah, Thomas Incombe's really fast, too. I was watching some 11 out of 11s. This dude's get off is like right as the ball is snapped. So that's one uh, plus that he definitely brings. Um, Zach, my last question for you today. Looking at all the positions and um, kind of just getting a, a good look at the offense and defense, is there a specific position where you feel like you're not super like confident going into preseason where you're maybe thinking about some uh, free agents that are still out there? I know the class is not too strong, but there are some guys like Unique Ngakwe still out there. Um, there are still some uh talent uh still has some talent out there is there any like positions where you're like yeah i think we need to add a little bit more yeah um defensive line jumps out to me the interior of the defensive line it feels like they're kind of i don't know they're i I think they're experimenting out there a little (laughs) um uh because you're seeing but I'm also worried. So Matt Henningsen was a guy we were all tabbing for, uh, I think, a lot of snaps this year. You look at our lads right now, depth chart, they have them as uh, one of the Broncos starting defensive linemen uh, yeah. for like a three, three defensive lineman set. Uh, I haven't seen him once on the main field. Um, is it possible I missed it? A hundred percent. But I have not seen it. So if it has happened, it hasn't happened often. Meanwhile, I have seen uh, uh, Elijah Garcia on the main field. I've seen Jonathan Harris. I've seen Jordan Jackson. I've seen PJ Mustafer. I've seen Tyler Lancaster all spend some time on the main field uh, and then all get rotated back to the secondary field and kind of bounce back and forth. So Mm -hmm. it feels that doesn't feel to me like, oh, my God, we've got so many good defensive linemen. Which one's the starter? It feels to me more like let's try throwing these guys in there and see if something sticks. And uh, defensive line is kind of, I don't know. It's not a position that's static on defense. Like Justin Simmons is going to play every snap for you. Patrick Sertan is going to play every snap for you as long as they're healthy. Defensive line, you are rotating all game long. It's not just about having DJ Jones and Zach Allen who look great, by the way, the starting unit looks stellar, but I would add some, uh, uh, beef behind them for sure. Shelby Harris. But even if you miss out on him, like Michael Brockers, you know, maybe give him a call. Mm. Uh, uh, he's not very exciting. I th- these options aren't great, but uh. do I think they're maybe better than what we currently have? Yes. 33 year old Akeem Hicks, not very exciting, but I'd maybe give him a call. Chris Wormley, uh, Indomitian Sue is old as mold, but I'd maybe give him a call and, and pay him very little. Cause like, do I think he could be better than Tyler Lancaster? yeah um i would have to agree with you i I mean a couple of guys really stood out shelby harris but i mean interior i mean yannick can play uh interior i saw somebody throw out matt ionitis i mean it's still some solid guys in free agency um but i I would have to agree with you man interior defensive line is just i feel like that's kind of our biggest need right now i mean a lot of people are gonna say receiver after the injuries and losses but i think um, I think receiver you can replace. I think if there was one guy out there, receiver, that I would like us to sign, that's kind of really the only good one left is Jarvis Landry. Everybody else, I saw somebody on Twitter was like, Broncos make the call for Kenny Galladay, and I'm like, man, hell no. Nah. I actually – hear me out on this one. I actually wouldn't 
wouldn't hate Sammy Watkins. I don't think he's. Oh, okay. I, I don't think Kenny he's the Galladay. worst. I know, definitely not Kenny Galladay. <laughs> but Sammy Watkins, that's the one receiver that I would actually like not hate a lot. Um, Jarvis Landry, he could play this last, so I wouldn't hate that much either. So, um, but Sammy Watkins, I think he's like he's been on the decline. Don't get me wrong, and he's thirty, so he's kind of getting up there. But I still think with with what the Broncos have, and let's say the rest of the camp and preseason, like you don't see guys like Brandon Johnson and those other guys in the back half, like produce like you want them to maybe give sammy watkins a call i mean when he it's basically been usage for him like the year as the years go go on his usage really takes a decline and in result his production does as well so i want to hate sammy watkins honestly it's just more uh artillery i guess to the receiving room and uh, another thing though that the broncos could be waiting on is pre um post preseason cuts guys get cut yeah. man like and um i brought that kind of towards the beginning of the offseason and when when we did episodes like are the broncos done in free agency and i'm like i think they're gonna wait and i mean that we haven't really made too many moves like baby Monroe. i mean it's not a you know insane just kind of a depth move um because raleigh moss is you know he's gonna be out for some time but i think that man we're, we're gonna see a lot of like every every team gets a cuts a player that everybody's like man while well, they cut him he should have been cut and i feel like that's what the broncos are gonna try to reach you know not pay just a humongous contract I'm I, like not trade for anybody crazy. I just think Broncos probably going to wait around that time because guys are going to get cut and you, you're probably going to get somebody better than Jarvis Landry. Totally. A, a guy that's, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm very loosely using the term similar here. I don't want to disrespect the great Tim Patrick, but a guy who's similar, maybe a little stylistically to him. Corey Davis has a good chance of getting cut by the Jets. Yes, I love um, that. Like, you know, hate that contract, but if he's cut, you don't have to deal with that contract. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, I'm trying to scan this really quick to see if there's any other one. That's really the, I think, maybe best one. Traquan Smith, actually, with the Saints. Um, familiar with You think he'll get content. cut? You think uh, he'll get cut? I, I just looked at an article of potential cuts really quick. Okay. Let me look at uh, uh, the Saints depth chart. Um, but I think... I think so. I think he kind of fell out of favor last. I thought he was season. like starting a little bit. Like, no, no, it's Alave, Michael Thomas, Rashid, oh, or yeah, Rashid, Rashid. To Shahid. They signed James Washington this season. They just oh, drafted yeah. AT Perry, who I like a lot. Um, yeah. Now, Traquan Smith probably is that sixth guy, but they also uh, signed Kiki QT this uh, offseason. Um, they added Brian Edwards. Edwards. Yeah, Brian Edwards. Even Lynn Bowden, a fun little uh, draft throwback. Um, uh, so I don't know, like, I don't know if he's expected to get cut, but it seems like he's at least on the bubble that could really a couple of those saints guys might make sense. So I'm, I'm with you probably wait. Same thing with running back. I wouldn't mind if they had yeah. an extra body, but, but uh, honestly, same thing with defensive line. None of those defensive line names were great. Let's see what happens if there's any good preseason cuts. Uh, but th there's a couple spots that I think could definitely use a little depth investment. Uh, interior offensive line is scary. That one just popped in my mind. That is spooky, spooky, spooky land. Like if, if Quinn Miners yeah. or Ben Powers suffer an injury, uh, yes. it doesn't matter if Russell Wilson has bounced back. He's going to yeah. be in trouble. Yeah, I'm not going to – I mean, the only good thing is, though, this free agency class, it's still really, really, like, really good players left. I mean, the, I mean, I ain't going to say really, really, really good players, like, you know what I mean, but Ben Jones – um, Dalton Rosner, kind of the notable offensive lineman that's still available. It's kind of funny that Dalton Rosner is still a free agent. I, that's, hey, that's maybe still... he's humble. Maybe he's willing to come back. Now, I will say, yeah. I don't think he fits like the Sean Payton ideals. Yeah, Sean um, Payton wouldn't play with Yeah, Sean Payton wouldn't play that. But, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, I was going to say, running back is interesting, though, because um, they did say today that Javante is going to play. He's going to try to play him in preseason, like, um, just to kind of get him 
you know, back into the field of things. But I mean, it's some really good backs. I mean, everybody's gonna want Dalvin Cook, but I don't even know where Dalvin Cook's gonna fit in really anywhere at this point. It's kind of really hard to see. I I think he signs kind of closer towards preseason gets over. I don't know if he's gonna go to the Jets though. I think people are just kind of dreaming there. I don't I don't know if that's actually gonna happen. Uh, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette. I, I wouldn't mind Leonard Fournette, man. I don't know if it's just me, but I wouldn't mind Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt. I'm I'm on the opposite. I think the Broncos are just fine at running back, and I don't really think they have to add. Uh, I'm really, really confident in Jaleel McLaughlin and Tyler Beatty. I know Jordan Lopez is tooled with this idea, and I don't know if it's actually going to happen. It's probably unrealistic, but he thinks that the Broncos could actually rock with four running backs going into the season. Probably unrealistic, but um, that one-two punch of uh, Beatty and McLaughlin, Zach, it's definitely been a really fun competition to watch in camp. That's probably one of the more interesting ones. It really is, man. McLaughlin, I want to see McLaughlin in games. If he starts doing what he's doing in camp in games, yeah, uh, he he probably will win that job. It's just he's he's like the Montreal Washington of running backs. You know, he's got like the kind of that slender jitterbug frame. It's like yeah. it looks awesome. It he's the type of guy that's built to like dominate in training camp. If I was building a training camp squad, like Jaleel McLaughlin's my running back and Montreal Washington's starting a wide receiver for me. And <laughs> and I, I'm gonna win a lot of games too. Um, but for come fall, I I think Tyler Beatty's like his vision's really impressive to me. His ability to just kind of it's not Javante Williams level, but just always get extra yards, like just always yeah. uh maximize the run, I think is probably gonna lead to him winning that battle. I'm kind of between the two of you. Uh, I really like what I've seen from Beatty and um, McLaughlin so far. I, I want to see it in the preseason and see how it looks yeah. there. But I also think this team is going to run the ball a lot. And the idea, like, I don't know if I want to put all that workload on Javante Williams' knee. And, and Samaj P. Ryan never really has had that heavy workload in the NFL. So the idea of getting someone like Leonard Fournette, who I know can eat, like, 10 gar- carries a game for me, just, like, just – pummel the may, defense in the face yeah. or some of those safeties to drop down for some of those heavier boxes that you feel Russ can take advantage of. That's also appealing to me. I, I, I don't mind either answer right now. Um, so long as Beatty and, and McLaughlin show up come preseason. Yeah. Preseason is going to be a big determination for a lot of positions. Um, I would prefer Beatty over McLaughlin at this point. While I, I, I do agree that if McLaughlin does ball out in preseason, they're probably going to have to not say no to McLaughlin. <laughs> I mean, he's just been like 20 yard, 30 yard, 50 yard carries. Like it's nothing. I, I said in our last episode, he's having a Philip Lindsay kind of arc in training camp. So um, especially as a rookie undrafted free agent. So we'll see how he looks in game. Cause I feel like uh, Beatty's contact balance and receiving ability is much better than McLaughlin's. Uh, we've seen it multiple time, times in 11 on 11. So that's what, that's who I would prefer for running back three at the moment. But Zach, thank you so much for being on today's show. It was a good one. Um, I believe that is it for today's episode. If you guys are listening on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe. All that is greatly appreciated. If you guys are listening over on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, make sure you guys leave a five-star rating, hit the follow button. But before we go ahead and uh, cap things off, Zach, where can all the people find your work? Uh, yeah, find me over at the Let's Talk Broncos podcast uh, on YouTube or honestly, wherever you're listening to this. We're also there. Uh find us on Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, that that's that's the main squeeze for me. I'm leaving my eyes sports. I've got some exciting new things starting on Monday, but all my Bronco stuff is coming out through LTB, so go find me there. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for uh, staying tuned uh, till the end of uh, today's episode. Appreciate everybody that listened in. Um, like I said, make sure you guys are turning notifications on so you never miss an episode of the Broncos Avenue podcast. But that is that is it for today's episode. I'm your host, Amir, with my co-host, uh, J-Mac, and today's special guest, Zach Seegers. Until the next episode, peace. Peace.